This morning I'm going to start uh, talking with my friend Vlad. Vlad uh, grew up in Romania and we're in this series about fan and follower. And as Americans, most of us grew up in America. By the way, Vlad is a freshly minted American citizen, so that's awesome. Um, but as Americans, we don't always know what it's like to live in a place where we don't have, or you don't have the freedom to worship the way you would like, where it really costs you something to be a Christian. And so I thought we'd have a little conversation around what it looked like for you. Oh, I have a Romanian picture. Look at that. Yeah. That's my house right there on the left. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Romania, although I'm not exactly sure. But I looked up Romania, and there was a picture. So. Tell us about growing up, and it was a communist country, so Christianity was sort of, was more than frowned on. It, it was illegal? Is that kind of how it worked? It, it was in certain areas worse than others. Uh, Romania was under communism for over 60 years. I caught the tail end of it. I was six years old when communism fell in 1989, but I was just old enough to realize the things that we had to uh, live without. I mean, it permeated everything from uh, the things that you had access to in the store. As Christians, we did not want to be, my, my family made the decision to not be a part of the Communist Party, which we really had to be in order to have access to things like oranges and bananas and chocolate. It was really, really hard to find those things. And um, except for when you were a member of the Communist Party. I have this memory, and I was four or five years old, and, and this stayed with me throughout my entire life. We had a, everybody lived in the cities. They had this push for everybody to live uh, in places where they could be controlled and gathered for marches and celebrations for the dictator and all this stuff. And so everybody lived in ap apartment buildings. And I remember we had a neighbor whose father was one of the, in the highest ranks of the, of the Communist Party, and um, he, he had this, he, he did this, he would walk out on his balcony and eat oranges and throw the peel in front of the building just for everybody to know that he had access to those things. So it was just things like that, uh, and beyond that, the persecution of going to church. My mom, she graduated fifth in the country. She was really, she is really, really smart, and uh, so they, they had to offer her a job with, um, the post office or the phone company, and she chose to go with the post office, but most Christians didn't have access to jobs. Because of uh, how well she did in school, they just gave her a, a kind of a, a low-level job, but she never had access to any promotions. Uh, my dad was a pastor, so um, every Monday morning she would get called into the boss's office, and, and the boss would tell her everything that he had talked about the night before because they had informants, or the day before because they had informants in all the churches. And to be part of the Communist Party, you had to be willing to spy on people. So she was threatened to lose her job uh, if he didn't stop preaching. And, 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 and it got harder the closer we got to, that, to 1989 because a lot of the countries um, you know, in, in Eastern Europe, there was a lot of, uh, of, of, of change going on and uh, revolt, people revolting against communism. But uh, it got worse towards that. She never lost her job, but we had to live in fear that any time uh, he could get, people could come to our house and they could take him away. Uh, I remember cutting our lights off and, and listening, listening to this old little radio that uh, there was a, a radio station called Free Europe. Uh, and it was illegal in, in, in Romania because uh, we could only watch a few hours of TV, listen to the radio stations that came from the government. Uh, even the cartoons that we could watch, 30 minutes a day of this rabbit and wolf, they were Russian cartoons with Russian propaganda. And so they didn't want us listening to anything. So this radio said so we cut off all the lights and we'd uh, huddle up in, in the kitchen away from uh, the front door and we would listen to things going on in Europe and 
and all this other stuff. So it was, uh, it was, um, it, it was, it, it brought us closer as a family. Uh, and, and, and only later, after communism fell, really we, we saw, you know, the things that, that were going on uh, in other parts of the country, and uh, people were getting sent to jail, but nobody heard about that because it wasn't talked about. Uh, people were, were, were sent into concentration camps just for uh, not stopping going to church or, 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 or preaching too loudly and uh, speaking out against uh, the communist oppression. So it was a, a lot of things that really affected every area of our life. Okay, so there's no benefit not really. to no. following Christ. Not really. And yet they did it. I think the only way you can explain that is when you get to that point where everything's taken away and you just have to rely on just Christ alone, uh, it, it, it becomes something different. It really is life-saving and life-changing. Uh, and, and I think folks were willing to give up uh, having access to all these things and, and, and prestige and, and all these privileges just for, uh, for the sake of Christ. And uh, um, it, it's hard to explain and it's hard, especially for us here, and I, I've been here now for since 2001, and, and I'm, I'm blessed in the life here that we live. This is the best country in the world, but people are disconnected from that um, desperation when, uh, when all you, you have to live on is, is Christ and, and the community of the church and, 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 and an old Bible. I remember my dad used to snuggle, snuggle, smuggle in Bibles into the country and then smuggle them out into Russia in, in suitcases over the trains and all this stuff, because People, and we have it now on our phones. I can pull it out. Of my, I've got two sitting on my nightstand. And it, it, people back then, they, they fought really, really hard just to have one Bible. So I think this, uh, the nature of it changes and the nature of the, uh, nature of the relationship with Christ when that's all you've got and there's no other distractions and all this other stuff. It's, um, it's something that, that you have to kind of experience. How, how, did, how was Christianity introduced to your, your family? How, how did they become followers of Christ in, in that environment, because if it was 60 years, then they must have discovered Christ in communism. Is that, is that true? Yeah, and, and over the years, over the course of those 60 years, it got more oppressive, and it, it started at, you know, at, as uh, con- communism disguised as socialism, and they just took away more and more of the freedoms uh, from people. So my grandparents were Christians on both sides of, of my family. And but so my like parents... Like prior to communism? Sort, uh, sort yeah, of, I think yeah. their families were, were Christians before that. And I'm looking at my mom because she'll shake her head. But um, <laughs> they, they, my parents grew up in the church and, and, and they got to see kind of over the years how it changed and how it became more oppressive and, um, and so, just how it changed So for life. them it was kind of okay and then it became not okay and they had to make a choice. That's right. From it's, it's socially okay to it really isn't, but they still followed. Yeah, and when the persecution started, it was, it was worse probably um, 10 to 15 years before, uh, as we got closer to the end, to the, to the fall of the, the Iron Curtain, as they called it um, in Europe there. Um, it, it, they took away more of the, the people's liberties, and they gave them the choice. You, you give up going to church, or you keep going to church, but you don't preach, or you keep going to church, but you're not active, you don't share the gospel with people, and then we'll, you'll be okay, you'll be safe, you just have to be able to, you know, to, to be willing to spy on people and tell us about what the pastor's talking when, when they're, you know, they were speaking against things that the, the government was uh, supporting and forcing people to do. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a very, um, it was a difficult choice, it was a clear choice he had to make with implications that were varying depending on, you know, where you were, where you were living, and uh, how involved you were in, in the in the society, basically. Okay, so it 
It got to where we're talking about today a choice and how if you have a choice, how do you, do you choose Christ if he's just all you've got? And they, they made the choice because I didn't know the whole thing about not getting oranges and chocolate. Um, that doesn't seem like a big sacrifice, but good grief, it's because we get it. That's we right. have it anytime we want it. Yeah, we're used to it now. We just well, Even little sacrifices can be big. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Well, and it was just limiting everything that we, and it was a clear, people knew just by the kinds of clothes that you could have access to buying mm-hmm. and the, the things you could buy in the store. I mean, people would line up for things. Uh, just a limited number. Even I mean, everything was rationed, obviously, and and things like like chocolate or or bananas or oranges. I mean, I remember getting them for Christmas one year under the Christmas tree, and it was like the best thing ever. Um, but it it was it was clear to people who was uh, a Christian and who was kind of part of the Communist just even Party. by what you wore. Yeah, yeah, and the things you had access to. Uh, my parents, uh, they had saved up money. They we were living in a one bedroom uh, apartment. And uh, they had saved up money to, uh, to buy a bigger apartment. But it was in a part of town in, in a neighborhood that uh, only people from the Communist Party had access to buying. So the way, I mean, it was God provided for them to be able to, to live in that neighborhood. But it was none of their doing. And it was, they didn't, you know, they didn't uh, compromise anything. But it took a lot longer than other people. And, you know, and, 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 and Dad had to do all the work himself. But uh, it was just things like that. You were limited what you could buy, where you could live, uh, the things you could eat. And uh, it, was very, it was very obvious to people. Like when after they, uh, somebody got in trouble, basically they, they had stolen a bunch of money and they lost their, their name on their place on the list to buy the, an apartment building. And, and, uh, and, and so, so my dad found out about it, went to that office, and they just put down a deposit for the apartment before they were even built. And, uh, and, and then the head of the, the local Communist Party found out about it and called my dad and said, I can't believe that you got in there. I, I'm supposed to approve all these things. And so it was this big thing. And, but God, that was just a small thing that, that God provided for them and, and, and the ability and the witness they were able to have to folks because most of the people that lived in that neighborhood were part, members of the Communist Party. They weren't Christians. There were very few of them. So the witness that they were able to, to have, uh, to opportunities that they had to witness to those people in that neighborhood really was amazing over the years. So it was just things like that, that God worked through those things and through the limitations and no matter how hard, uh, you know, the, the, the government tried to, um, to, to shut people uh, down, the, the, the gospel still worked and, and people were drawn to it despite of the, co- the cost that they had to pay for it. It's good. Thank you. I appreciate sure. it. This is Vlad, everybody. Vlad, thank you. So today let's talk about John 6. That's where we're going to be. That's when Jesus feeds the 5,000. You know the story and Jesus' popularity is off the charts. As our, as our president would say, it was huge. He had huge popularity. And everybody was coming to hear him. And he's teaching one afternoon and it becomes sort of late in the afternoon. And he looks around and he notices that people don't have anything to eat because they've come from the surrounding villages And so Jesus, in a state of compassion, uh, looks at his disciples and says, Hey, uh, how are we going to feed these people? Now, you can imagine if you're a disciple and you didn't know that was your task, that that would be a little uh, uh, kind of off-putting. You don't know exactly what to say because you don't exactly didn't know that was coming up. And so all of a sudden, it's like, hey... We, we need to feed these people. And the story, it's called the feeding of the 5,000, but it, the, the Bible says it was 5,000 men. 
which means there were more people there. They just counted the men. Uh, likely twelve to 15,000 people. That's a lot of folks. That's a lot of mouths to feed. And so he turns to his disciples. Hey, what are we going to do about this? Now, there are 12 disciples. One of them responds, a guy named Philip. He said, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each of these folks to have just even one bite. Let me translate this for you. We are not capable. We, We have not the resources to accomplish the task that you set before us. This is more than we can handle. Now, there's another disciple. Isn't it funny? you got a group of guys and you throw this out. Well, this one guy, his name is Andrew. And he says, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. But how far will they go amongst these? Now, if you're, uh, if, if you're Philip, Philip just said, dude, we can't do it. And Andrew says, well, here's a little food. Now, if you're Philip, you go, dude. What are you going to do with five loaves and two fish? I mean, that's like your boss coming into a meeting and saying, we need to raise $100,000 for this project. And some schmuck from accounting says, well, I found a quarter in the, uh, between the seat cushions. Well, I mean, okay, that's not going to get us there. And, and yet Jesus looks at this and he... He, he takes this little bit and he feeds the multitude. Now, if you just got fed miraculously, and, and I, I wonder sometimes how much did the people know? Because if you're out in the middle of a field and all of a sudden there's food, one would suspect this doesn't happen very often. I've gone to conferences before, and you know, you're in the, in the conference, and you're, they're singing, or the conference is going on, and they'll say, you got a box lunch outside, and then when you walk out in the foyer, what wasn't there before is there, boxes of food. It's awesome. But you know how they get it there? They have little vans from someplace else, and they drive it in, and they set it on tables. You can kind of figure it out. If it says, you know, Jimmy John's on it, you kind of know where it came from. Or if it says Chick-fil-A, you know where it came from. Well, all these guys, all these people were out there, and all of a sudden there's food. And you have to kind of wonder, did they, did they speculate about where it came from? I don't know. But they ate, and they had their fill, and there was leftovers. Twelve bags, twelve, you know, baskets of leftovers. Now... These people, they are committed fans. They are committed. You want to know how you know? Because the story tells us in John 6 that they camped out overnight. Now, typically what would happen is Jesus would teach. They would go home. Well, this time Jesus taught. He fed them a meal. They stayed. They camped out. Any speculation why they might want to do that? Because tomorrow morning you get breakfast. I mean, that's what you're thinking, right? So they are, they are committed fans. Now, they wake up the next morning. They're looking for Jesus, also known as Meal Ticket Christ. They're, they're trying to find him. Where's he at? And the brother is gone. He's not there. The disciples, they're all gone. In fact, they figure it out. It took them a little while that they, they sort of kind of think this thing through. Well, they're, they got on a boat... And they're on the other side of the lake. Now, it's a kind of a big lake. Uh, have y'all ever seen a big, big lake? Like Lake Michigan? Not quite that big, but uh, it's a big lake. 
It's a big lake. And so now they got to say, they say to themselves, okay, well, Jesus is over across the lake. We're going to on foot go around and get to him. They, it, it is as if this crowd has no greater priority than to be with Jesus. Now, <laughs> it wasn't so much to be with Jesus. It was just they were wondering what was on the breakfast menu. Now, they missed the breakfast menu, but what comes right after breakfast? Brunch, right? A lunch. Um, who knows what Jesus was going to serve up for brunch? And so they make the trip. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is he kind of knows what you're thinking. Maybe that's not the cool thing about Jesus because he knows what you're thinking. He kind of go either way. And Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he kind of confronts them. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous sign. And then he goes on. Don't be so concerned about stuff like food. I mean, food is important, but don't be, don't, that can't be your sole purpose in life. Spend your energy, energy seeking the eternal life that I can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. I, I can show you the path of eternal life. Don't be so concerned about food. Well, this crowd, man, they, they're going to play this thing. So look what they say. We want to perform the, the, the works of God. We, we're all in, my brother. I mean, we're, we're with you. We are with you. What should we do? And Jesus said, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. Believe in me. He just said, I've got God's seal of approval. I'm the one. Believe in me. Simple enough. Now, not so much. Then Jesus answered. Oh, this, then they answered. Show us a miraculous sign. Time out. What happened yesterday? That whole feeding of the 5,000 things, not a miraculous sign. Show us a miraculous sign um, if you want us to believe in you. Uh, let's see. This is how you have to read this. What could you do? Hmm, what could you after all, our ancestors ate manna. <laughs> so how about you make us some bread, like you did yesterday? I mean, that's how that whole thing went down. Yeah, mm, what could you do for us? How about you make us some more bread? The, after all, the ancestors, uh, our ancestors ate manna uh, through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So if you're from heaven, then you should give us something to eat. Jesus just said, don't be so concerned with food. They were like, okay, okay, but how about some bread? <laughs> it's like, but he just said, don't be concerned with that. All right, next verse. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. For I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. When we started this series, we talked about a little thing called the DTR conversation. Define the relationship. This is the define the relationship conversation. Jesus says, you ought to follow me whether I give you stuff or not. You, have, you ought to follow me whether it benefits you or not. Because I am the path. Following me is the path to heaven. It's something bigger. It's, it's further out. So even if things, things don't go your way, 
Following me is the path. We're going to define the relationship. Will you love me even if I don't give you anything? They're like, "Mm, nah, (laughs) wrong answer. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Yeah, not so much, dude. We just want some food. We just want some food. They began to murmur. They began to walk away. Now, we're going to make a couple of points. If you have your outlines, here here we go. When Jesus is all that's left, this is the truth about following him. When he's all that's left, you find out if he's the one you really want. When, When there are no other options, when the pathology report comes back and it indicates you've got cancer, when your kid goes off the rails, and, and she starts doing things that you know she was taught not to do. When you lose the person you've loved after 30, 40, or 50 years because they pass away. When, when someone divorces you kind of out of the blue, you didn't know it was coming. When you get a report at work that they're about to downsize and you're in the crosshairs. When all other options are exhausted. When... When suddenly, it's more than just a little bit of religion that you need. And at this point, many of his disciples turned away. They, they said, no, we don't, we don't need this. He, he, you're not going to give us food? See, there's a point in your life where you get to a place where you, following Jesus doesn't pay. It's tough. And you think he ought to do something for you that he doesn't do. Well, surely Jesus wants me to have a job. But you don't have a job. Surely Jesus wants me to have a spouse. But you don't have a spouse. Surely Jesus wants my children to to be godly. But your children aren't godly. Or one of your children aren't godly. One of them is a prodigal. Surely, surely... Jesus wants me to be healthy, but you're not healthy. There's a point in life where it doesn't go the way you think it ought to, and you have to decide, am I still going to follow? And these people didn't get what they asked for. They didn't get what they thought they deserved. And so it says, at this point, many of the disciples turned away. Like, eh, we... We're okay with religion, but this is just, we're not getting what we think Jesus ought to give us. And so Jesus turns to his 12 disciples. The implication here, the inference is, that whole crowd of 15,000 left except for 12. Isn't that how you read that? Everybody else kind of left, and Jesus turns to the 12. Boys, are you going to leave too? What are y'all going to do? What are you going to decide? Because it's not always going to go the way you think it ought to. It's not always going to go the way you've planned. You're not always going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Sometimes it's going to go the wrong direction for you. What about you guys? What, what do you think? What, you, what are you all going to do? And the, the interesting thing is, the thing about reading words is you can't tell the tone I don't know what Jesus' tone was here. If it was anger, if it was frustration. I, I kind of get that it's probably disappointments. 
Because here's the thing about following Jesus. Jesus wants to def- us to follow him not because it's best for him. He, he's not trying to get 150 followers on Twitter. He's not you know, trying to get a lot of people to follow. It's not best for him. It's not, it doesn't pad his resume. He wants you to follow because it's best for you. And, and Jesus asks this question. How about you boys? Are y'all going to follow? And I, the only way I... A way to understand this. All right, let's say you start dating someone. I'm going to put everybody in the driver's seat of being a guy just for a second. You ask this girl out. Take her to the movie. You pay for the tickets. You pay for the popcorn. You have to take out a mortgage to do that, but that's okay. Because it's, I mean, good grief, popcorn. They, you, you pay for every kernel, evidently. And uh, you buy a big soda. You buy two sodas because you are, you are bringing it at this date. And you drive her home. She had a good time. And you ask her out again. She said, yeah, I'd like to go out again. Next time, you really turn it up. You dial it up. You go for a nice romantic dinner. Mm, you know what I'm saying. Got the candles. Got the shrimps, you know. Got the filet mignon, and then, you know, you, you're doing it, and, and you, say, you say to her, because you are, you are bringing it. You say, honey, you get anything you want. It don't even have to be on the cheap. You can do anything you want. And she orders something like lobster, and you don't even, you don't even go, n- nothing like that. You, get, you say lobster, and she is good with it, and you're good with it. And she gets her a lobster tail and a little steak, a little surf turf, and... Uh, uh, you, the bill comes, and you, you grab it up, and you pay it. And this goes on for a while. And you take her to, you know, amusement park, and you pay for everything. And you take her to this, and you pay for everything. Go to a concert, and pay for everything. And it is going great. I mean, she is into you. And then one night you decide, okay, okay, this, this is going as good as I could hope it would go. I mean, this is good. We, we, it, we're about to talk Love. About to talk the L word. So you invite her on a different sort of, of date. A walk in the park date. Mm. You're walking in the park, you know, and, and it's romantic. The sun's going down. You're out there in the park and you sit down and, and you say, honey, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I'm feeling it for you. Right here. Got the heart for you. I'm feeling it. I mean, I'm, I, am, uh, I am digging you. I need to know if you're digging me back. You know, it's kind of that thing. And she says, is this the date? Is this it? The whole walking in the park thing? Aren't we going to go anywhere? Aren't we going to do anything? Now, if you're the dude at this point, what do you know? Gold digger. Uh, that's what you know. She wasn't, she wasn't in love with you. She was in love with what you was giving her. That's, that's where you come to at that point. And it's almost, I think Jesus must have felt something like that. Man, he, he is giving them the When he's teaching them, he's giving them the words of life. This is how you live. This is how you're forgiven. This is great. And they're like, is this it? 
We want food. We're just looking for a free meal, dude. We're not looking for commitment. We're not into commitment. We just want what you can give us. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, Are you all boys like that too? And Simon Peter, he messes up a bunch, but every, time, every once in a while he gets it right. And he says, Where else are we going to go? To whom else would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. Where are we going to go? If we don't go with you, where are we going to go? See, here's the second thing about following Jesus. When you really know Jesus is Lord, you ain't going to leave him. You're not going to leave him. When you really know him, you're not going to leave him. When you really love him, it doesn't matter what happens. Here's what's cool about love. When Miriam and I started dating, you talk about cheap right here. I mean, there could be no cheaper person on the planet. I'm fairly certain this is true. It was back in the day where you could actually get on to an airport, you know, before you, you, you had to have a ticket to get into the terminals. One of our first dates, it may have been our first date. Was it our first date? Second date? It was pretty early on. This was the date. We went to Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. If anybody's ever been there, they have a tram that rides around the airport, takes you from terminal to terminal. We got on the tram which was free, and rode around and talked. Now, when she didn't kick me to the curb, I knew she was the one. I mean, you got to... Because it didn't matter at that point what we were spending on one another. When, when you fall in love, it's about spending time together. When you fall in love with Jesus, it, it doesn't matter. Look... See, what, what fans do, fans of Jesus, what fans do is this. They bail on Jesus when his teachings get tough. Because he, he is so challenging. He'll say, deny yourself. We're not really into that. Take up your cross. Mm, yeah, that's not so good. Follow me, whether it's good or bad, in good times and bad times, whether you get something or not, then you still get to follow me. Under freedom or under communism, follow me. Take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. See, here's why. Fans bail on Jesus because they're comfort-driven and short-sighted. Comfort-driven and short-sighted. There's a little thing called deferred gratification. You ever heard of it? That's when you save up to pay for stuff. We're really bad about this in America. Because we have, we have stuff like rent to own. Buy here, pay here. You know, um, 90 days, same as cash. Nine easy payments. Twelve easy payments. Sixty easy payments. Seventy-two easy payments. There's nothing easy about 72 payments, just so you know. I wish they would be honest. 72 payments, that at payment 12, you're going to wonder what you got yourself into. That, that is real advertising right there. Uh, 60 stress-inducing payments. 50 payments that are going to get you into bankruptcy. I mean, that's kind of what they, they need to have real advertising. We do not like deferred gratification. Listen here. 
In this life, you are going to have trouble. Jesus said it. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. He never says, hey, it's going to be all good. It's all going to be easy for you. He never says it, never promises it. Following me entails taking up your cross, denying yourself. This is the truth. So Peter, Peter says you have the words of life. He didn't say you have the words that lead to ease in life. He doesn't say yours are the words of life. He doesn't say yours is the way to have a prosperous and healthy life. He doesn't say that. Jesus, we're following you because you have the words of eternal life. Not just now, but forever. Because here's the third point about following Jesus. He gives us everything else. Here's three things you need in life. You need forgiveness of the past. Everybody needs it because everybody sins. I love that Jesus forgives me. I love that Jesus has forgiven me. The Bible says if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everybody needs forgiveness. So the thing about following Jesus is He gives us freedom from our past. Then he gives us purpose for our present. Gives us something to do. There's this verse, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This changes everything. Everything I do, I can do for God's glory. The way I drive my car, the way I speak to people, mowing my yard, cooking a meal, it's all for the glory of God. I can do it all for God's glory. The way I treat people, the way I love people, In, in the past, they used to have these things, churches did, had these things called catechisms. And, and this kind of, it's sort of like uh, purpose statements or uh, mission statements, that kind of thing. And these churches would have these, and there's one called the Westminster Catechism. It was written in 1646. And this is a series of questions, the catechism. And in the catechism, question one was, what is the chief purpose of mankind? And the answer, so they're kind of teaching these things, is... Mankind's chief purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Too many people look at life like it's a game of Monopoly. <laughs> My job is to acquire lots of stuff from which I can acquire more stuff, from which I can acquire more stuff. And I'm going to charge rent, and at the end of the game, I'm going to make you bankrupt, but I'm going to have more. I'm going to have a lot of stuff, and I'm going to kind of rub my hands together and be fat and happy, and that's the purpose of life. I think life is much more like Uno, by the way. What's the objective of Uno? To get rid of all your cards, right? I mean, your job is to end up with nothing. So you get to the end of the game, and at the end of the game, you've got no cards. Because you've played every card. Because you've given everything away. Because you've made it your purpose in life to, to use your resources for others. It's a whole different way of looking at things. So God not only gives us freedom from our past and purpose in our present, but he also gives us a secure future. Peter said, you have the words of eternal life. You, you have the future in your hands. And when we follow you, we have a secure future. Fans... Want comfort. 
They follow Jesus because of what Jesus can do for them. Followers decide that whether it goes my way or not, I'm going to follow. I'm going to be committed. The, the reason we start today started today with, with Vlad's testimony about his family, we, we don't know that. We, we don't know what it feels like to give up much of anything to follow Jesus. But what if we did? I mean, when, when Vlad's talking, did you do like, because what I did was, I began to put myself in that place. Like, if I lived there, what would I have done? I really like chocolate. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, wow. I like oranges. I don't want to wear funky clothes because I can't get the other good stuff. I, I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want my boss to come in every Monday morning and tell me what my husband preached the day before and that I have to go home and tell him not to preach that anymore. I don't really kind of want that. I don't want my boss to be on my case. I, I don't want to be overlooked for, uh, for advancement because of my uh, following of Jesus. See, we make those choices. They're just not as obvious. Well, I can't get advancement if I do this, so I'm going to fudge the books at, at work. I'm going I'm to deny Christ. I'm not going to really live what I believe. I'm going to do things I know that Jesus probably doesn't like, but it's going to help me fit in better with people. We do it. It's just different. It's a little more subtle the way we do it. We're kind of covert. We're on the down in denying Christ. You still make decisions. You still have to choose. We have these choices. Am I going to be a fan and just kind of be a cheerleader when things go my way? Or am I going to be a follower? How, how committed am I? Today we're going to take the Lord's Supper. It's going to be just a minute. So, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he, he talked to his followers and he said, this is my body and this is my blood. blood. By the way, if you've ever read what happened to those followers, none of it was nice. There was execution and exile. But there was also power. There was purpose. These guys were amazing. They went from being cowering cowards to bold proclaimers of the faith. Today we're going to take communion because it's a great day to, to be reminded that Jesus made a sacrifice for us. And then he gives us a choice to follow or not. We, we choose. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... We thank you that you love us even when we're fans. We're thankful that you have a belief that we can change even when we're fans. We're thankful that you don't give up on us when we're only fans. We're thankful that you give us forgiveness of sin, purpose in life, security for our future. You give us all of that. You give us more than just temporary things. You give us real things. Forgiveness and purpose. 
and eternity. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, as we consider these things, that we would place you on the throne of our hearts. Help us to stop being so concerned about temporal stuff. Help us to be concerned about the stuff that matters. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.